The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy Cinema Podcast. I'm your host Jimbo and joined again by Kyle Zaner in the house. Um, today we are going to be covering a tough, tough movie to cover. Um, it is the first time I have ever watched this movie. I'm sure it's also Kyle's first time he's watched this movie. Yes. And uh, it is called Angela's Ashes from 1999. Um, I remember uh, going into a bookstore and seeing the picture of Frank McCord on the front. I mean, he just... It looks like a, a poor boy on the front of a, a cover of a book. And then they found out they made a movie about it. So uh, I saw it on Voodoo the other day, and I said, Kyle, let's, let's just do this. Little did I know what I was getting into uh, by uh, suggesting this movie. Um, it is basically about a family, the McCourts, um, and their children. Um, it is very... 
gut wrenching to say the least. Um, yeah, I'll get in the plot summary. With yes, yes. So, yeah. so uh, this this might not be our usual uh, jokingly episode. Uh, it's more of a serious episode. Even though I'm sure Kyle will throw in some one liners in there somewhere along the way. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we're necessarily. Like, we're gonna do the best we can, but there's no like perfect way to cover this movie for our podcast. I feel like, but we're gonna do the best we can right. with it. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's yeah. just. It's just. It's a really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. But Kyle, I guess before we start, I will throw you a question. Okay. Um, Go for it. If you were young Frank McCourt in this movie, uh, would you have done anything differently than what he did in this movie? Oh, boy. That is a, that's a really good question for On the Spot. Uh, I, you know, it, I think... Uh, you know, it, there's so much. I guess like the more we read into this thing, there's more. There's like small controversies, or like you know, like things like did he do everything he said he did in the book or the movie? You know, th- how accurate it is those things necessarily? But I'd say from the um, the movie standpoint, Frank McCourt did the absolute best with whatever he had at the end of the day, and so um, I would hope I would be do as well as Frank McCourt, and I don't know if I can necessarily hope to do any better than he did, because there was just so many overwhelming challenges and um, um, moments of uh, of moments to be overcome by depression and loss that I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I came short in many respects. Right. So, well, it's like, no. it's like when, when, we first, when I first suggested this and I had started watching it, the first 20 minutes of the movie, I, I texted Kyle and I said, Kyle... I said, this might be the the most depressing start of a movie I've ever seen out of, and I've seen a lot of movies of all time. And Kyle was just like, oh, I really, I can't wait to watch this. And then he started watching, he's like, this is just, I remember you why did you do this like, to me, Jimbo? Watch the first half hour, then get back to me. And I was like, no, I'm going to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> and just, yeah, and that, now you see what I was going through that exactly. day. That, that and time. I think I said no. And then yeah. I, last thing I want to do is watch a half hour. Then we're going to record another podcast. I was going to be happy. And I was like, I'm happy I didn't watch that first half hour now. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, Kyle, mm. let's go ahead and take away this Angela's oh, Ashes. All right. And it's not a, a what do you call it? Agatha's Ashes. He's been calling it Agatha's Ashes I, for like I, three I, weeks I, now. Every A name ever. Just Apple Ashes. It's fine. Sorry, Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um,. I got this ashes released on Angela's. <laughs> I see you maybe do it. Um, Angela's ashes released on January twenty first in the year two thousand in the United States. I think there'd be an alternative uh, release in Ireland. I'm sure. I'll look it up here in a little bit. Here um, we have directed by Alan Parker, written by Frank McCourt for the book of the same name. Um, Laura Jones and Alan Parker were all both part of adapting the screenplay, though. Produced by David Brown, Alan Parker, and Scott Rudin. Composer was John Williams. Cinematographer was Michael um, Searson. Editor was Gary Hamblig. <coughs> Excuse me. Casting director was John Hubbard, Rose Hubbard, uh, Ro- sorry Ross Hubbard, and Juliet Taylor. A production designer was Joffrey Kirkland. Quick plot summary of the film. Based on the best-selling autobiography by the Irish um, um, Irish author Frank McCourt, Angela's Ashes follows the experiences of a young Frankie and his family as they try against all odds to escape the poverty academic in the slums of pre-war Limerick. The film also opens with a family in Brooklyn, but following the death of one of Frankie's siblings, they return home, only find the situation even worse. Prejudice against Frankie's Northern Irish father makes his search for employment in the Republic difficult despite having fought for the IRA, and when he does find money, he spends it on alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
quick little plot. That's the quick little plot summary for it. Much longer synopsis, but we'll get into that as we talk about the film's plot overall a little bit later. Some of the technical details of the film. This film is 145 minutes long. Sound mix is Dolby Digital. Color, this is a color film. Aspect ratio is 1.85 by 1. Camera was the um, movie cam compact and the Cook S4 lenses, which is a little bit unusual for movies of this time period. Um, the same time period, recent, you know, relatively like only 20, 24 years ago at this point, <laughs> still. And uh, um, and process was spherical, printed format, 35mm, very standard for the time. Um, this was filmed in the United States and the United Kingdom, and languages include English and Latin. Um, let's see here the release dates real quick. Um, it appears that release dates was the actual... Um, uh, uh, actually, a little bit earlier, as actually released on December 25th in Los Angeles and New York for its premiere showing. Imagine waking up on Christmas and then going to go see 99, right? Yeah, 90, well, yeah. This is the film's official release date is 99, but for its wide release, it was January 21st, the next month afterwards. So, it came out 99, but most people couldn't see it till 2000. Yeah. Um, filming locations including uh, uh, Bransford Street in Dublin, Ireland, um, all, all through Ireland. They actually filmed it on, on locations when you spot not necessarily Limerick City, but at least in Ireland, the country. Um, so we have that there. Um, moving on, I'm going to go to the through the, some of the awards. How, how did it do at the uh, box office? Oh, it's right, box office. we got to cover that. Sorry. Um, and we got to get the budget for the film there. I skipped over it. Thank you, Jimbo. Um, budget of the film was $50 million in 1999. Uh, just for inflation, that'd be about equivalent of $90 million today. Opening weekend, though, it brought in only $54,628. So, absolutely. But if it, but, it, but if you remember, if, if they're only opening up in those two cities, then 54000 or whatever you said. But still, that's Los Angeles and New York City. Right. You know, uh, even for a limited release, $54,000, woefully inadequate. You would hope for ten times that. <laughs> if you're opening at least those two cities, half a million dollars, that's not expected. Um, uh, but um, gross worldwide, though... Um, of a $50 million film, it only made $13,042,112. Yeah, so it was kind of a flop. Yeah. And grossing for inflation, that'd be about $23 million today. So You know, and I, and, and I wonder if what hurt it was, let's say word of mouth. You know, if you say, hey, the new Star Wars is out, it was awesome, you need to go see it. Okay? Mm, yeah. But you say, hey, Angela's Ashes out, if you want to be depressed for three hours of your life, like, do not It's go really see good, movie. but it's the saddest thing I've ever saw, and I left the movie feeling bad about myself. <laughs> You're like, well, not a lot of people are going to sign That's up That's what I'm that. saying. I wonder, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. maybe a lot of them said wait till it comes out on DVD or wait till it's free on TV or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This film got so. rewards, too. So, like, it's it's a critically acclaimed movie, but I definitely understand, like, it, it probably has a long tail of, like, film, like, people buy it up to today, I'm sure, and watch it once and be like that's incredibly sad you know what I compare this movie to just the setting Schindler's Schindler's List yeah I think I felt the same way watching this as I did Schindler's List almost the just the the overall sadness of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah of just um, yeah uh, this despite there being hope in it it feels almost completely devoid of it (laughs) you know like it is there but it does feel almost completely devoid of hope because like everything feels like it's going to go poorly for every character in this film and it usually does but in some cases there are sparks glimmers of hope and getting through life and what we can persevere through and going through that um so yeah this film though but like like i said that's a hard sell at a theater so this film bombed heavily i'm sure even today it's probably still in the negative even if it did have a long tail of getting dvd sales or you know like you know 1999 still would have been vhs the dvd the blu-ray to digital now so i'm sure but it has a long tail where i'm sure just quietly it makes money and still critically acclaimed i'm sure you know everyone involved here had work afterwards you know so it's good in that sense of like you know this didn't 
this didn't like uh, this didn't end anyone's career necessarily. So that's good on that part. So it's not a failure in that sense, and uh, I don't think it's a failure critically at all. So you know, overall though, I think uh, its legacy is to be stood high. And I imagine this is held in even greater claim in Ireland and possibly number 30, depending on their opinion of it. Um, moving on here, I'm going to go through some of the awards it won here. Um, in 2001, the Empire Awards in the UK, it was nominated for Best Irish, uh, Best, Best British Actor for Robert Kyle. I don't want to mess up the um, country portion there. <laughs> I feel like I can risk offending some people that don't need to be offended. Um, just morally, not like they'll beat me up. <laughs> But also, no, I'm kidding. Uh, 2001, uh, we also have... Um, so I'm going to go through some of the... Um, well, yeah, I'm going to go through the winners, actually. We're going to go to 2000 for the Irish Film and Television Awards. It won the Best Feature Films for the IFTA Award. Best Craft and Achievement in Film. Um, and it was nominated for Best Actor for Robert Kyle, Carl, Carlisle. And Best Actress for Emily Watson. Yeah. Next up for the 2000 um, Car, I'm going to mispronounce this, Carlevy Very International Film Festival, where it won the Audience Award to Alan Parker. And 2000 also won the award for Best Score in the Las Vegas Film Critics Society Awards, awarded to John Williams. Then also in 2000 for the London Critics Circle Film Awards, it won the award for British Actress of the Year to Emily Watson. And uh, we also have a few number nominations here where it was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Original Score. It was nominated for the BAFTAs for Best Cinematography, Best Production Design, and Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role to Emily Watson. And that's going to cover up the awards there. Oh, also, sorry, one more one. For the Academy Awards, it was nominated for Best Original Score uh, for the Oscars there. So, yeah. And this movie does have a terrific soundtrack by John Williams, too. Um, Moving on here, we're going to hit on the cast. For the cast, we have a humongous cast. I'm going to go through probably the bulk of it, but not all of it, because there's just so much to cover here, and I don't want to be listing off names for 20 minutes and bore you all in the audience, or not, you know, but still want to pay respects to the people who put terrific work in this film, because the actors did a lot of terrific work here. For the lead role, we have Emily, well, I didn't say lead role, but like, you know, probably the biggest star of the time this movie released, Emily Watson, uh, who plays the character of Angela McCourt. Emily Watson is also in such movies and shows as uh, Godsford Park in 2001, the film Red Dragon in 2002, and um, I think most recently a lot of people saw her in the, the HBO limited series Chernobyl in 2019. What an excellent show that was. Um, next up, we have um, Robert Carlyle playing the role of um, uh, Malachi, uh, Malachi the father of the um, family. Um, Robert, Robert Carlyle was also in movies such as The, um, the Full Monty in 1997. Um, he was in um, the tr- the Train Spotting movie and also T Two Train Spotting, released in 2017, just recently. And he was also in the um, the zombie horror flick uh, 28 Weeks Later in 2007. Next up, we play uh, we have the character Joe. We have the character um, who played the young Frank. The actor who played um, him was Joe Breen. This is the only film he ever appeared in, and there was also a small little TV series called On Home Ground. He was also in here for 2000 se- for two seasons between 2001 and 2002. Next up, we have uh, um, Syrian Owens, who was playing the character of a middle Frank in his uh, in his youth. Um, that actor um, only appeared in a few other movies, including the um, Magdalene Sisters in 2002 and Agnes Brown in 1999. And then we have Michael League, uh, Michael, I think it's Leggy, um, playing the character of the older Frank, the character you see at the end of the movie, Frank at the End, um, who was um, also appeared in movies such as Cowboys and Angels in 2003 and The Stag in 2013. Next up, we have Ronnie Madison playing the character of Grandma Sheehan, and 
Grandma Sheehan, Sheehan in uh, uh, the movie there. Um, Ronnie Mattinson also appeared in films such as um, Byzantine in 2012 and The Downing in uh, 18, 1980. Uh, I think it was 98 or 88. I can't remember my own, I can't read my own handwriting. Awesome. Um, next up, we have Pauline McClinn playing the character of Aunt Aggie. Pauline McClinn was also in the films uh, Jam and Jerusalem in 2006. Did you say Jam and Jerusalem? Jam and Jerusalem. You're right. That sounds like, a, sounds like an interesting sounds title. Like a, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I know nothing of the film besides the title. And she was also appeared in the show um, Father Ted in 1995 and 1988, which I believe was a terrific comedy show, if I remember correctly. Um, British, I think. And next up, we have um, Anna McClain playing the character of Uncle Pat. Um, um, Ina McLean was also in the film The Commitments in 1991 and Studs in 2006 Andrew Bennett was the um, narrator you hear at the very beginning of the film um, Andrew Bennett was also in the films The Bachelor of the Weekend in 2013 and This Is My Father and I believe that was in 2002 but I didn't write on the date there next up we have Shane Murray um, playing the character of Young, young Malachi um, yeah, Shane McCurry was also in the film King Arthur in 2004 then we have Devin Murray playing the character of Middle Malachi. He was in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in 2001. Then we have Peter Haplin playing the character of Older Malachi. He was in the film Daredevil in 2015. Oh, no, or the show Daredevil in 2015, too. Um, I think it was on like three seasons, 2017. The Netflix. Yeah, the Netflix Daredevil series. Yeah. Yeah, IMDb does the thing where like it will just show a TV show and its date of the first year it came out, and I don't remember how many seasons it ran, so I can't get the the, the years right unless I go track it down myself. And I uh, didn't have the time for that one this time because we spent a long time just talking about the film, trying to do research on it, and we were going to get the podcast in time today. Um, next up, we have, um, let's see here, where was I? We have Aaron um, Garrity playing newborn Michael. Then we have Sean Caney, Carney Daly playing baby Michael. Then we have Osin Carney Daly also playing the role of Baby Michael. Then we have Middle Michael being played by Shane Smith. And then Tim O'Brien played the role of Older Michael. Then we have uh, Blaithnade uh, Howe, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry about your name there, played Newborn Alfie. Then we have Claire O'Neill playing Baby Alfie. Then we have Carolyn O'Sullivan playing Baby Alfie as well. Then we have Ryan Fielding playing Older Alfie. I think they did the thing of older movies. Well, a lot of movies still did. They were for the baby actors. They usually get a set of twins, so that way they can actually use the um, labor rights thing, so they can split the time between them. You know, or one baby's complying, the other baby's being a, a nuisance right now. So we're going to use the complying baby for the shot. <laughs> Too bad Kyle doesn't have a twin, so I can just switch go up. That's what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just back up, just swap it out. Yeah, that that is a weird thing in Hollywood. Like, well, yeah, we'll use twins. Baby, these baby twins are really popular in Hollywood for that very reason because they can just swap them out. Well, you know, the same the, probably baby. the most famous twins is the Olsen twins, Olsen you know, twins. for the yeah. Full House. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we have Ben O'Gorham playing Eugene, San O'Gorham playing Oliver. Oh, I wonder if they were actually brothers in the movie, uh, brothers in real life in the uh, different roles in the movie. Next up, we have Frank Lowry playing young Patty Clohesy. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so bad about these names. I'm sorry. Um, next up, we have Lawrence Kinlan playing older Pal- Patty Clohesy. Um, next up, we have Lucas Neville playing Willie Harold, Walter Mansfield playing Fenton Slattery, and Dennis Des McClear playing Mr. Benson. Sean Kearns playing Dottie O'Neill. Um, Lise Do- Doherty playing Mr. O.D. And Brendan Caldwell playing Mr. O'Halloran. Halloran. Shane Gorman playing Mr. Hannon. Johnny Murphy playing Seamus. John Kinney playing the Lavatory Man. 
and Susan Fitzgerald playing Sister Rita. Um, that's all the cast I think I need to go through because if not, I'll be here all day and going through a lot of roles that like either they had like one tiny scene or they had like three scenes, but like I just can't um, keep them all together in my head and be like, no, who was like who was a big character and who was a smaller character. But we'll try and we'll try and go back if there's any character we kind of miss there. But that's kind of the cast of Angela's asses. Right. So um, Jimbo, let's go through some of the. Yeah, so overall thoughts of the film. Well, dig into the, it. There's not a lot of. Um, I have a little bit of trivia. It's not nearly what you would think you would find in a movie. So we're going to talk about some of the the characters and, and the scenes of this movie. One thing to remember: this movie deals with a lot of topics. Um, there is some nudity in there uh, briefly. Uh, basically, it's a coming of age movie about a young bo- young preteen boy and a teen boy and a young young man. Um, so there's, you know, they, they, they sneak and see uh, the girls undressing in the, the window. The one guy's charging to see his sister or whatever it is. Bob beats him yeah. to death when she comes out because one of Paul's members. If you're an adult listening, this gets involved in what you think a young man would be involved in. Especially with sheep in the field. Exactly. Behind, behind the actually, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, this is so weird. It plays you know, into a good. lot of weird cliches, right. I will say. And this is an already so, movie for very mature Right, things, right. You know. um, so let's start off number one. Uh, Emma, uh, was it Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. She played Emily. Uh, or sorry, Emily. She Emma played, is the Hermione. Right. <laughs> oh wow! Sorry. Uh, so this, is, this is Emily, Emily. Wa- Emily oh, yeah. Watson. She played a fantastic role in this movie. Um, basically, yeah. she's trying to basically raise these kids on their own because her husband, even though he may go try to find work, um, a lot of places won't have him. And the little work that he does find throughout the movie, he goes and he spends it on down at the local bar. Yeah, he'll work he gets two drunk, weeks. Comes home drunk, his... singing Irish folklore songs. Um, so there's a scene that I think is really telling, and it's when she's she's got a, one of the new new babies with um, Frank, and she's like, "If you don't want to work, she's like, then we'll go out and do it ourselves." And you see him walking around on the ground picking up like coal that had fallen off of the the uh, yeah things, and she takes it and she goes sells that. It's a very powerful movie because she's like, look, we have no food here. The baby's hungry. The baby's sick. Baby's you know, cold. The baby's yeah. cold. Well, there's no wood for the fire. We need to we need to have some of this money, and you're out there drinking away, basically. So what the sad part about this is when they're in America at the beginning, uh, she she's it starts off with her in childbirth, and she's already has what Frank and Malachi, I think. Two, yeah, maybe three, three three children at the start, I believe. And you know the you know Frank's out there trying to get them dressed and and washed down and all that, while the dad's back there and the the, the nursemaid or whatever, and they have a baby sister. Two days later, the baby sister dies, and they sh- it's just one of the saddest things I've ever seen. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and, and they show the funeral and all that. Then they the, so they get. They go back to America, or they leave America and yeah. they go back to uh, yeah. or Ireland. Or, or you, you kind of one of the scenes that kind of just shows where these characters both going to go to—the father and the mother specifically. Uh, to Malachi, he just leaves the house as soon as he le- he realizes that his his daughter's really dead and doesn't return for several days. And uh, Angela specifically is just completely bedridden in complete shock and does nothing for the like just stays in the hotel basically the hotel, uh, hotel. yeah to so their apartment for like several days. It isn't until like I think it's like family services or something like that come in or a relative comes in and then sees the house in complete disarray because the three boys have had to defend themselves those right. three days. So like there's literally like. Matter of you know they're not cleaning themselves because they're still there's young children as well they're not even cleaning themselves there's feces and food not being taken care of and all kind of stuff too absolutely disastrous place 
Um, and they, they finally, that's when they finally said, like, okay, we're all going to, we're going to send you back to your family back in Ireland, back in Ireland to take care of you. And they send you back to Limerick city. And like, during that time, this is definitely, I believe the, um, this is right between like the 1920s, I believe correctly. Um, and like that specifically during a time of, uh, extreme poverty in Ireland going on in that time, the in time of the world. And, um, so it like, they went from a bad situation to very much like, like, it's not worse than they are in that state in America, but they have very little opportunities to improve their state of life. Right. Too. They're really kind of stuck in that situation. And what little opportunities they have to improve on, Malachi um, just spoils it on drink, basically. Right. So uh, some, at some point in this movie, she gets pregnant and she has another baby. Mm-hmm. And at this time, uh, the bro- one of his brothers, one of the twin brothers, Oliver, dies. Um, mm-hmm. And I and it's she had just lost. You just this is all happens within the first twenty minutes of the movie. By the first way. half hour, right? Like, like twenty six so, minutes in. Tar. So you see this brother die, and then not long after this, I think six months is what we read online. You know, mm-hmm. after because we were trying to find it, uh, the twin brother Eugene dies, and I think there's a really powerful scene right here where you see the dad and you see Frank. They kneel down and they start praying right there, and 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 what Frank says is basically, hey. You know, I don't know why everybody. Uh, I don't know why everybody's like, please God, uh, don't let what happened to my brothers happen to me or, or Malachi or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, man, coming from this little kid that's probably what? What would you say? Eight, uh, maybe. Seven? Yeah, less than ten. Yeah, younger than ten. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, um, and you're like, oh well, maybe things are going to start straightening up now. You know, mm-hmm. no, it just goes from bad to worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. Yeah, Frank, as a young child, like he still, like he just wishes to be spared from more suffering. And uh, I think that's that that scene for specifically for Malachi. I think that's kind of um, that moment is kind of probably his loss of faith overall. Um, not in like God's existence, but like in God's ability to um, help him in his life at all. I think that's kind of a it's a, a, a terribly sad scene in that moment right. too. But yeah. every every time you think that the dad is going to turn around and 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 start because he's he's actually goes out and he gets a job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the problem is his his addiction to alcohol overtook him too, and and it's it was a struggle on the mom and the kids, and it's just it's a terrible situation. So I mean, this place they're living in, um, they basically get kicked out, and they go down and live at the, basically that free place, and it's uh, like it rains, it floods the whole entire bo- bo- bottom level of this place they're living in. On top of that, they're at the end of the neighborhood's latrine, yeah. which is a community latrine. Yeah, so like, where everyone literally dumps their feces next to the outside of right, his house. And it stinks so bad, and um, and I really hated their neighbor across the street because she's like, "Kids, come home. It's time to eat lamb and." Pork chops and yeah, yeah. My husband tomatoes. has a job, so I can afford to feed all these children. Right, and of course they're at the end of the neighborhood, right there too, and like they're complaining because all they have is sour bread and loose tea leaves, basically like right. that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, just the the poverty level. I mean, you really start feeling for Frank because Frank's, you know, he's yeah. It's 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 a rough movie to watch. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, especially if you can make it through that first half hour, then it gets a little bit easier to digest. But the struggles are still there, as especially as he's growing up. Um, yeah. Then we, we start coming to where you know they want him to be an altar boy, basically, uh, but they will not accept him because he's poor, basically, because they yeah. just want the rich people, the rich kids up there that you know look right and and everything, have the yeah. clothes. Um, so they keep getting. He gets denied his entire time. He's. Yeah. There, yeah, in the well, it's also things like they want a child that they can like somewhat rely upon to a degree, and like Frank's entire childhood and their entire family fluctuates from 
technically having the things you need to be alive. Like he has a roof under his head, technically, even though his roof is a, to say, a downtrodden house that's constantly flooded and technically has enough food, even though all he has to eat is like very nutritionally deficient. Like this is like stale, like stale or even like um, gone bad bread and loose tea leaves. Like he technically has those things for a home or he doesn't even have that. And that's what he fluctuates in between for basically the entirety of his childhood. And so like they don't want him as an altar boy because they can't, you know, they can't do anything for him because anything he has is going to be immediately spoiled, basically, like that. He's, he's a, for lack of a word, he's a bad investment in the altar's mind, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and I, th- I think it sad. shows, too, I think it's when he has his first communion where they put the wafer in his mouth, dude. <laughs> he's just, like, so happy to have something to eat. You know, he's like, slow down, boy, you're going to choke or whatever. You know? And he passes out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that was No, that's later. later. Yeah. yeah. So um, they want him to take... Uh, Irish dance lessons because that's a big thing and and he's just skipping out and going to the movies with his buddy. One thing in his, his life buddy, enjoyment. His yeah. buddy fakes fakes a sickness or something so he fakes can sneak in. Yeah, right. So he's so, in the theater. So I was like, man. Uh, but he's in there watching like Roy Rogers or whoever you know the the uh, the films of the era. Were, yeah, the, the, the old short, the old black and white films of the era, the short films. Um, so. You know, then you see him. Time jumps to where he's a little bit older now, and um, basically he sees his dad uh, go away. Uh, he mm. said he's going to go to to uh, Britain or, or London, London, I think, yeah, I think it was London, to get work because there's no work for him there. Um, and they kind of held a, held a prejudice against him for some reason. Was it because he's Northern, Northern Irish? Yes. So, um, and um, that goes into. Um, centuries of territorial disputes, I reckon. I guess um, going specifically in Irish history—that's a, a can of worms we don't really, we can't really dive into in this podcast in any reasonable degree, or like a degree that does it justice. But um, he, he he claims he fought for the IRA, and uh, I I believe this character, the film portrays that he's, that is a truthful thing that he did. But um, I think the I think but I think did. don't you come out that he was a liar because he said I served. He goes with Frank and, he and they have no there, record of him. And they have no record of him fighting. But I now be, did they did he really? And they just say they don't have records of him, or did the records get lost, or is it just the prejudice against him? Yes, because <laughs> yeah, he tells yeah, yeah. he tells Frank he's like you never forget what you saw today, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and, and and some of the stories we're gonna or scenes we're tucking into. You got to remember, he starts with Frank when he's about an, an eight, probably an eight year old boy, maybe a little bit younger, six, and then it goes to like probably eleven to thirteen ish, and then it's like probably seventeen to nineteen, I'd say. Yeah, around. There. So there's some time jumps in here. We may not have the exact because it's been a, probably a month or two since I watched this, but um, the scenes still stick out to you. There's um, so basically his his dad leaves. He's like, hey, we're going to be rich. I'll send the money back. We'll have the finest foods. We'll have a nice place to live. Well, you know, every week they go to the train. Now, oh, Dad's going to be back today. He does, he's not there. I know. They know he won't be back for several months. But every week they wait for the post. They wait for the post officer to come and actually deliver them the money because he should come and deliver some money to them. Right. But and, the day that he's trying to come back, he's mm-hmm. supposed to be on this one train, and he's not on. There. Oh yeah, he doesn't come back till literally the, the Christmas day after. Day, I think. Yeah, or the day after Christmas right. or something like that. Oh yeah. And she's like, "Well, where are you? You know?" And she she's been going down to the local handouts. Uh, and, and for Christmas dinner, he's like, hey, the best I got is, what, a goat head and, and potatoes, a couple of potatoes or something. something I don't like remember. It's it's so, it's, yeah, it's just um, – so he comes home and she's like, well, you know, hey, where's the money? You know, rent's due and all that. And he's like, hey, I got a, uh, got this box of chocolates, you know, and half of them are eaten or whatever. And so uh, basically she says, look, you know, you've wasted all this away or whatever. So Frank at some point decides that, hey, 
I got to get a job. I I will help take care of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this so, is yeah in between two. This is um this is probably middle Frank. But right. By Carol, Carol, so he's Owens. he's basically helping this uh, elderly gentleman uh, deliver coal. coal. Yeah. Right. And it's hard work for this kid. It's harder for anyone. That's right. Hard I mean, sure. he's loading up this wagon. He's helping haul these bags of coal up to like these rich people's house. And he's got. He's like, look, mom, I got like five shillings or whatever it was mm-hmm. that he's like. And she's like, Frankie, you know. And he's like. You know, he's like, I felt like the man of the house. Because well, he was. The problem is, Frank ends up getting some. His vision starts. Uh, All the thing. coal dust gets in his eyes. He eventually becomes infected. And, like, even though he's continually trying to wash and clean it up, though, his eyes just continually get worse and worse right. from week to week. And it looks terrible on the screen. And his mom, and he, his mom takes him to the doctor and she says, Look, this kid has the worst case of pink eye conjunctivitis that I have ever seen. He's mm-hmm. like, if, if we don't treat him, he's going to go blind. It's likely he will regardless. Right. Yeah, um, and I don't remember if – I think it – I can't remember if it's before or after this where he ends up in the hospital for another reason because he passes out, I guess, due to lack of food or something. I, and his dad comes in and has this really serious talk with him. It wasn't TB, but it was another disease that was – it was another, like, plague they that didn't was wiping think, out. They didn't the think he was going to make it. Yeah, they didn't think he was going to make it. I and his dad's sure like, I love you, son, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this and that. And, the only uh, time you ever said it in his entire life, too. Right. And he's like, you know, I knew at that moment that my dad loved me. Um, and, yeah. and I heard him say it or whatever. But – by this point, man, you just feel so so sad for this kid. And then uh, time jumps again, and now we're at Older Frank, where he actually decides that he's going to be a, a, a mailman. A postal worker. Postal worker, basically riding a bike, mm-hmm. delivering packages. And they're all talking like, oh, you get to go to this house. Oh, well, they're good tippers. You're going to get at least a pence, a pence here or whatever, mm-hmm. shilling, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes up there, and it's this girl, Teresa. Yeah. And... Uh, He's been riding in the rain and all that. She asked him to come in and uh, dry off, dry off clothes. your clothes, take off your clothes, let me dry your clothes. And um, basically, uh, things happen uh, where Frank discovers love, I guess, or lust. At the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but come to find out that she has been stricken with consumption, which is another way of saying tuberculosis. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so he was always excited to deliver the packages there to see her. Yeah, uh, but he comes one I night. Too. <laughs> he, he comes. He comes. He comes back one day, and and uh, her, I guess her mom answers the door. And yeah. He's like, "Hey, uh, where's Teresa? You know, she always takes my package." And, and she's like, "She's at the hospital, uh, yeah. hospital ward, or whatever." He yeah. said, and you just see him just take off running, rides his bike there, and um, he's overcome with guilt because he blames himself because this is. Uh, Probably preface this too. He's a very um, he's a very faithful kid at the Catholic Church. He believes in everything, and he believes that because they sin together, that it's God's punishing them for having you know intercourse, basically like that. And he blames himself immensely for it. He thinks all the things he did bad is the reason that his girlfriend Teresa is suffering. Right. Yeah. And it's not too long after that that you see Teresa's funeral going on. So once again, you have another death, and he's just he's sitting back in the cemetery, you know, further back, just watching. Mm-hmm. Um. And at some point in the movie, he finds he goes and he's walking through town and he finds a like a, a shilling on the floor or whatever, and he looks up and there's like the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty, and he's like, "I'm going to go to America. I'm going to make it better." And so he starts working all this time delivering these packages. He ends up uh, writing these letters for the uh, Mrs. Uh, Funicane, Funicane, yeah. Funicane, who's basically uh, the lady that has. She's a rich lady that basically loans people money and. Oh my god, they found me. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Sirens in the background. Um, uh, she loans a bunch of money out to people, so she's a rich woman and she's wanting people to pay her back. And yeah. this 
where the people that she's charging cannot pay her back what she's expecting and what interest on top of that yeah. that she's wanting. Yeah, she's she's ba- she is the the city's loan shark basically. Yeah, and um, so and uh, um, when she's when uh, Frank's delivering posters to her, he essentially finds that young boy. It's like, can you read and write? And she says, yes, I can. And so basically, um, she hires him. Well, to- he writes that one letter and he reads it to her, and she's like. That's beautiful. You know, like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, once again, like, well, it's kind of like um, in the time that he spends in the hospital when he has, um, I forget what disease he has, but he spends months there and he ends up going to the library and getting tons of books on Shakespeare and he turns out he absolutely loves Shakespeare, which is really cool and that's why he like, he's such a good writer and very heavily intelligent is that he spent basically those entire months just nonstop reading books from Shakespeare and actually getting me a really good reader and writer because of that and that kind of links to his skill later when he gets um, hired by the lady to write all those letters because essentially he writes the these um, incredibly rude or hateful letters um, at, at telling people that they need to pay back their debt or else, basically. And um, he has those delivered himself. And um, that kind of causes a whole thing where, like, the, you know, uh, they don't, the, the people don't know he's the one writing the letters. Right. He's the in-between guy. He's like a shadow broker in between there at that point. So, um, I mean, he was even doing it where he was supposed to take the letters to the post office. She'd give him money to buy stamps and everything. But he would just pocket that money and he would go deliver them himself yeah. to keep the money. So he's trying to he's making side hustles. Well, it comes to find out that he goes in one day to to work for Mrs. Funicane and he finds her basically dead in a chair. Yeah. And so what's he do? Does he go get the authorities? Nope. He goes upstairs to her chest and steals all of her money, uh, anything yeah. that he can. And the debt book, importantly, he does. Yes. The, the book and Probably too. one of the most important scenes in the movie where he grabs the debt book. And his mom's in there, and there's a couple other people in there, I believe. And she takes it down, and he climbs down to like the river. And he tosses this book in the water, and he's like, "Nobody owes this lady anything more, and they don't need to know what who yeah. owed her what." Which, yeah, I'm curious. Like, that's kind of like, like, Grant. Like, this is like, this is from the author writing about himself. <laughs> this is probably his most heroic moment of the film itself, too, because he has this book of everyone's debt, including his aunt, his mother, basically everyone in the city of Limerick is debted to her to some degree. And he takes that book and he casts it in the river. Essentially wiping away the debt of all of those people right. because if, if they didn't wipe away that book, someone else would have found it. Like the next of kin would have found it, and whoever it was, right. and then still try to collect all that right. debt. He destroys the book, destroys all record of anyone's debt in Limerick City. An incredibly heroic feat in that kind of that kind of sense of like a Robin Hood esque kind of figure at that point. And I you think know. we skipped over a part of the movie that we should probably talk about is when his dad left and they get kicked out. They had nowhere to go, so she ends up go. The mom ends up taking the kids and going to live with. I guess it's their uncle, uncle. I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So basically, he is just well, a terrible person. I don't know if it's uncle, probably uncle on his father's side or something like that too, because of right. related relations. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he does. Uh, basically, he does take advantage of, of or she take. The he uncle takes advantage of, of her, her mother to yeah. basically pay the rent and mm-hmm. help feed them, and he's just a terrible human being. And he beats her, and Frank gets so mad that he ends up leaving. Does he actually beat her? I don't know. I don't think he actually beats her. I mean, he's incredibly rude. Right. Um, but also, they're living in his house rent-free while he actually works a job. Or does There's he complications Frank? There. He, he, beats the, he beats Frank up quite a bit okay, because they have be a verbal was, yeah. dispute. But I don't think he ever beat up uh, Angela. So he ends up leaving, yeah. and it's pretty sad, you know, when... Uh, she comes in to see see whoever, and he's staying with a friend or whatever, and he's sitting there eating, and mm-hmm. his mom's over there, you know, and she's like, you know, I'm, we miss you, Malachi misses you, you know what I mean? And you can just tell the toll that it's taken on Frank, you know what I mean? And, and basically, long story short, is he basically goes around and tells everybody bye. He's going to America. Everybody's cheering him on. Mm-hmm. You see him get on a boat. 
And the, the ending of the movie is he pulls into the New York Harbor, basically sees the Statue of Liberty, and the movie ends. Yeah. So let me talk about a little bit of these uh, uh, trivia I found. Uh, the poster and the book cover were designed by Billy Kay, uh, Martin Benson's last film. There is a director cameo. Uh, the doctor who treats Frank McCourt when he is in the hospital with uh, typhoid. That's That was what he had. Typhoid. Dang, typhoid fever, which is very deadly for a child to have. Right. Very deadly for anyone to have. Uh, Richard Harris, which we looked this up, is played Dumbledore in Harry Potter. He actually grew up in Limerick, in Limerick, but he has strongly condemned both the film and Frank McCourt in the series of interviews in 2000, um, which we we'll probably had to find those and watch those. Uh, Pierce Brosnan and Stephen Ray were considered for the role of Malachi. Liam Nielsen was originally cast as um, Malachi, but he dropped out, which yeah. would have been interesting too. Robert Robert Carlyle did a fantastic job in this movie too. Oh yeah, he really Robert Carlyle really is an excellent actor, even though he was right a terrible well. person in the film. But yeah. he did really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film was a joint uh, production of Paramount Pictures and Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, coming, going back on here to Robert Carlyle's character, uh, he, like Frank loves his father, and like to the point where like even like maybe have to dig in the book someday. I don't know if I ever will, but like it's very clear. Like I don't think he even like begrudges him for leaving necessarily too because he loved his father's story so much and all kind of stuff too and I think um, really expires a lot of um, Frank's own creativity and joys he has in his life because he just loves his father's story so much even though as a provider for his family he is entirely inadequate well he even says he said my father that I spend my mornings with is not the same father that comes home at night. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because he goes on walks with his son and talks with his son. And then when he comes home drunk and everything, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just it's terrible. Um, the interior church scenes were shot in a Dublin studio. Because of its controversial content, the production was denied permission to shoot in any Limerick churches. Mm, Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, considering how successful the book had been translated into 25 languages and published in 36 countries on a budget of $25 million, this was a huge disappointment at the U.S. box office taking in only $13 million, which we agree. Uh, the movie was released in the movie theaters in Los Angeles and New York, as Kyle said, in 99 and the rest of January 14th and 2000, which happens to be the same day as Emily Watson celebrated her 34th birthday. Oh, wow. And this is the film debut of Carrie Condon. So, Kyle, tell me your thoughts on this movie. I know there's a lot of them because we've, yeah, talked, yeah. we've talked forever about this movie. I mean, we, had, we had basically had a pre-podcast podcast that we should have recorded. <laughs> we should have just turned on the podcast. We just should have just turned on the microphone oh, and in the room. Before we get going too much further, there is an Angela's Ashes, the musical. There and is. And apparently it's good. They said they skin rave reviews. And I told Kyle, I was like, I do not know how, if I can find that somewhere to stream it. I might have to watch it, but it's just maybe we'll share some stuff on the Facebook group if we find it yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I'll take a look at that. Um, yeah, but overall thoughts on the film. Um, it feels incredibly rude to be um, hard on the film, but like, and also it's like it's funny like you're not supposed to enjoy it, but also I feel like it's worth noting I did not enjoy it. Um, I feel like this story is not one that necessarily should have been adapted to film. Um, it may have been better used as a s- small TV series to some degree or something like that too, because there's so it's such a dense story to compress to a movie, and the movie itself is such a um, overwhelming downer that eventually I became kind of numb to it as the story went on. Um, I feel like it's kind of some not even somewhere like a movie like a Schindler's List or something like that too, or other movies that dealt with the Holocaust or something like that too, where the film has such overwhelming kind of like dismay and like lack of hope even though there is hope somewhere in the film that you kind of become numb to the misfortune that befalls their entire family and Frank's entire life I feel like I was kind of at the point where it's just like 
I think you know when it's just bad news after bad news after bad news. You kind of just like like what do I have to? Why am I why am I here now? Because there is nothing to hope for, and that's incredibly depressing. Kind of feel in the film itself, which once again that could be like the filmmaker's intention, and it could relate to the story. But like it's just it's not a film that I want to watch. And that I feel necessarily is important for me to watch. So as a movie kind of like review, if I figure out a review, this is kind of like like a soft 7 out of 10 for me or somewhere around there. Because it's just, I don't think it's a story that I really want to be um, uh, insisted upon me, I think. Um, like I think it's an important um, work of uh, auto, uh, important work of writing, and uh, overall, it's a story worth telling. But this is probably the wrong medium for it in my mind. So that's how I kind of feel overall about the film. And um, see, maybe over time, maybe if I'll warm up further to it and be like, this is actually an important film worth watching for everybody. But as it stands right now, I kind of feel more negative to it as a as an overall um, uh, film. So that's kind of my overall thoughts. Jimbo, I think you had a little bit of a brighter spot on this film. Well, I would say a brighter spot. Or, or um, a higher opinion of it than I You did. know, I'm sitting there watching it, and um, I just, I really like the movie. It's, it's and, I, and I don't say like as in I enjoyed watching it. I just think it was a good movie. You felt what they wanted you to feel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you feel the struggles of Frank his entire life. The way it is shot is cinematic beauty. Um, I think mm-hmm. they really know the scene, the uh, scenes, the uh, uh, the uh, props. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to say again. This is the best possible film you can make with this work. I think, though, for sure. Yeah, right. I, I'm disagreeing with like <laughs> that. Should be. Done I think. At all. I think yeah. like the uh, the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did the the Robert Carlyle's acting. Even Frank, you know, the young Frank was an outstanding. I really enjoyed the really young actor that played Frank. Yeah. Um, Everyone puts in a plus performance entirely. Right. Yeah, uh, and and uh, Emily Watson. I mean, what can you say? I mean, the things she went through, the emotions she showed. Um, to me, the str- you know, and 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 they got me in my feels. You know, that first twenty minutes when I told you that, I mean, I was over here almost with tears in my eyes watching this. You know, after the third mm-hmm. kid died, I was like, is he going to be the only one left? You know what I mean? Yeah, is Frank yeah. going to be the only we, child that survives We don't know the story, this? so we're watching like full on suspense. Right. Like what? What worse can? What, what, what else, what else can go wrong? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know he, he has he has these supporting cast around him like uh and Aunt, what's her name Aunt Agatha, Ag- Aggie. <laughs> Angela, Angela, Aunt, no, Angela, Aunt oh. Aggie. Oh, Aunt Aggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 basically takes him and says, "Look, you're sm-. he's really good in school too." I don't think mm-hmm. we did that either, but yeah. he writes this report about. Um, What's that report he writes? And the guy's well, like, it's after he goes back from typhoid fever, he has to repeat the fourth or fifth grade. Day, I the, think it was. Fifth, yeah, he has to repeat his 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 grade in school again because he spent so much time away from school. But he's tasked with writing a paper about what Jesus would have been like if he was raised in Limerick like right, he was. Right, and, and he writes a, he writes a short story so good that he brings it to the next grade's teacher, and they immediately put him in the next grade because it's so. Well and not only that, but they say, yeah. "Look, you deserve to be in the uh, an altar boy, or whatever it is." So his aunt takes him mm-hmm. and gets him all cleaned up, buys him new clothes. And they take him, you know, uh, to think. And guess what? They still turn him down because he's a yeah because a poor he's child, just a poor child. Yeah. And uh, I, you just you just think every time something it's so bad, potentially good can happen. That something good is going to happen. It just gets knocked down. Shot down, too down immediately. Exactly. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, you know what? I even enjoy it so much. I think I'm gonna give it a nine out of a ten. Um, mm. I just think the struggle that he went through, you can relate to him, uh, and you feel for him. And and you think you know it's time jumped. Guess what? That's going to get better for him. No, it gets actually probably worse for him as he gets older. Uh, but to see the redemption of that, hey, hey, I'm, I made it back to America. 
um, the land of opportunity. I'm going to turn my life around. It stops right there. I wish they would have done like a, hey. Uh, One of those little like epilogue kind right. of like Whereas paragraphs say, where Frank went on to, to. We wrote the book. <laughs> well, I know that. Yeah. But I mean, well, Frank went on to have his own oil company and he made millions of dollars and he sent it back to his mom and everybody lived happily ever after. Yeah. But it does. It leaves it wide open yeah. for a sequel. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just saying yeah. this movie got to me. And, yeah. and, it's, and I think I like it because it's something that I haven't seen before. It's something that captivated me. It's something. It's not the same. Uh, it's not a. Uh, a remake. It's not um, a, a movie that I. This yeah. kind of movie is something it I haven't seen some, before. It does something different. It does, right. It's not every other film. And, it, and I like it. That's why I like it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, now there is some language in here. There is some nudity in here. Very minimal. But I'm just saying, if you go to watch this, be be warned that that stuff is in there. But to me, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad we covered it um, because if not, I probably would have never watched this movie. Um, and I'm glad I did I, I because it's definitely yeah. something I think everybody should watch at least once. Um, I'm not saying it has to be your favorite movie. We have to watch it over and over and memorize it. But I think there's lessons learned from this movie that you could take and apply it to your life today. So when you see those people standing on the street corner or homeless kids or or whatever, I think this movie, you watch this movie and you, your perspective on those will change. It is Yes, if you watch it, it can be an exercise in growing your empathy for those you may have um, looked over, passed over in your right. own mind. Yeah. So... Uh, with that being said, I think uh, this episode is, is pretty much wrapping up. If you want to follow us on the social medias, we are the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast um, on Facebook. Um, we also have a live show coming up uh, in May with uh, Jerry Polly from Hillbilly Horror Stories and Middle Asian Creeped Out with Todd, Sean, and Nate. Uh, we will be at a haunted jail in Lebanon, Indiana, which is going to be pretty awesome. Yep. Um, so we're still trying to discover what we're going to cover there. Um, if you guys came to our last show, uh, you know, we covered Beetlejuice. It was a fun time. This being in a haunted jail, we don't know if we're going to stick with the scary or we might do a jail movie. Uh, we don't know. So um, we can follow us on TikTok. Um, we are looking at having some different merch made now. A, a new, I got Natalie working on a new podcast logo so for us. I'm to see it too. I know. <laughs> she does some great work, man. Yeah. Uh, so that's Natalie Knight. If you guys want to check out her artwork, uh, give, her, give her a call or whatever. So our message. But I think this, this sad episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And cut.